Welcome to the Munganas St. Louis Honda Sports on a Sunday morning. Here's the pitch. A swing and a high fly ball. This could be trouble. It's at the wall. And it's a gunner. He scores! Now, sports on a Sunday morning on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. George, it's good to have you back in here. How are things? Doing well. Doing well. Good. well. Just... Uh... Came out of the bullpen. You did. So Mr. Kelly could go to Florida, hang on the beach with a Mai Tai. Well, he deserves it. I mean, the guy, you know, works hard, as do you. And, uh, I mean, look, you're very knowledgeable in sports. I listened to you this morning with Brian Stull, and you guys were going through a lot of good stuff there, and I heard about the XFL. Let me ask you, do you want me to start with the bad stuff, or do you want me to start with the good stuff for a portion of our audience? How would you like to play it? It is tough because journalistically, the bad stuff probably rises to the top. You think so? Well, you know, probably. Or should we go with the neutral stuff? So the neutral would be that the pain has kind of faded a little bit on the Cardinals losing, and we kind of start to advance the story and look ahead. Maybe we start with them and then sort of progress from there. Yeah, I think that could work. That I mean, who's the big... Ahead because then that, that provides some optimism. Right. So, of course, then, you know, psychologically, you start talking about next year and all the good things that could be happening, and I start feeling what do you have really on right good. Now? And, and what, is you, James, what do you have on right now, and what does James have on right now? We both have on Cardinal stuff. So, so but, then, but the thing is, I'm going to start feeling good, and then you're going to talk about Mizzou, and I'm going to go want to jump out <laughs> the second-story window. No, I'm going to... Here's how... And letting our audience in on how we <laughs> construct these things. So... I think that the biggest play when you come out of the gate is something that your audience really wants and is expecting you to. And we are the voice of the St. Louis Cardinals. We just came off a series loss. This is the first show since the season came to an end. So perhaps we start with just a couple of things just to set the scene for the offseason and to let people know that everything's going to be okay. But also to really get into and dig into what this team needs to do to get ready for 2020 because there are some major questions that need to be answered. Okay, and you, like here's an easy one. Yeah, go ahead. Marcelo Zuna, yay or nay? Uh, I don't think he's going to be back. I think, and, and John Mosellock's going to come up at 1130. He's not going to answer that question, but he will discuss. <laughs> yeah, but I'll, I'll ask him about Marcel, and he will discuss the future of the Cardinals left fielder to this extent realistically, he is a big free agent. There will be a lot of people looking at him. What the Cardinals can do is make him a qualifying offer of one year, let's say about $18 million. And if he turns it down, they get a draft pick when somebody else as compensation, when somebody else assigns him, if not, and he decides to come back for a year at 18 million, is he worth it? I say, absolutely. I mean, a cleanup hitter and the Cardinals can afford him at one year. The one thing is, where that's not totally uh, unrealistic is that his agent is now Melvin Roman. Okay. If that name rings a bell, that's Yadi or Molina's agent. Yadi is under contract uh, for a little bit longer, not much, but he is. Then the two have gotten very close. Maybe Marcel would say, you know what? I'm young enough. I still have a lot left in the tank. Maybe I go one more year with the Cardinals and then explore free agency and go big. I think you also have to consider what the market has been for the high-priced free agents in the last couple of years. Because if your last name isn't Harper or Mercado, or Mercado uh, that Machado, was Machado. Yeah. I'm sorry. I just no, but I got that. you. But yeah, that's a that was that was rough sledding for a lot of very good ball players. I, mean, I would remind you the guy who started Game One of the NLDS against the Cardinals 
was still sit- sitting at home with his family when the season started this year. Yeah, so I think that the big free agent is Anthony Rendon. And I know the Cardinals fans are salivating over Rendon playing third base for them. Look, I'll be realistic again. This guy is going to make a ton of money. We're, we're talking maybe not Bryce Harper money, but close. I mean, he is going to make a huge, huge contract, and it's just not like the Cardinals to go throw big money at somebody like that, especially when they have some third basemen already. Uh, they have a couple of them in the system. One of them you've heard a lot about, Nolan Gorman, right. coming up. He won't be playing in 2020, but down the road. Um, and they have Tommy Edmond who can play there right now. Heck, if they signed a shortstop, Paul DeYoung could play third base. What do you do about Carpenter? I think Matt, at this point, has become a utility player who can really be great off the bench for you. And if you needed him to start at a position, he can. But I think that what we saw was a big uh, sample of 2019 where his bat has slowed down. I'd love to think that he could come back and be a force, but I'm just trying to be realistic here and look to the future. You have some great energy in the system and and a chance, and one of those players is Tommy Edmond. He just came up and and snagged the job. I mean, he's been really good. You can't go into 2020, I don't think, without Tommy Edmond in your lineup. He's got to be somewhere. Do we see a youth movement in 2020? I think you have a mixture. Well, I I think you have a mixture because I think you have some veterans who are going to come back and be really strong for you. Colton Wong. I think is one of those. I think in the outfield, you look to Paul DeYoung is going to start moving, and that is a youth movement, but he's starting to move into a regular role. So, yeah, I guess to an extent, but you're going to lean heavily on Paul Goldschmidt. You're going to lean heavily on Yadier Molina. You're going to hopefully lean on Adam Wainwright. I think this guy can come back and absolutely be part of the rotation. Well, that's he looks a $10 like a million dollar contract. He looks probably. like he's in great shape. And as long as he wants to continue on, and I, he tweeted last night how much he loves the game of baseball after watching that Houston walk-off win over the Yankees. I got to think there's a fire still burning inside there. So you lean on him. I think in your rotation, Michaelis is a veteran you're going to lean on. Flaherty and Hudson are still young guys, but becoming, uh, you know, that's kind of the movement for them. Jordan Hicks, youth movement. Yes. So, you know, there is this Cardinals franchise I know frustrates people because they don't go out and throw major money at, at, at players, and that has hurt some teams. The Red Sox are an example of a team that's been hurt by monster contracts that haven't exactly worked out. I know they won the World Series last year, but they are kind of an up-and-down franchise where the Cardinals want to be a contender every year, and then if a player like a Goldschmidt is available, they have the pieces that they can move with no problem to get a player like that. I think more realistically this offseason you see a move like that where the Cardinals take a couple of players, package them together, and go get a Goldschmidt-type somebody that can fit them in their lineup or in their rotation. I, I say, just don't like see a, them. It's a pitcher question, isn't it? Like, because I would love to say, yeah, Garrett Cole, put him in the rotation. Sweet, well, it's going to cost you a lot of money. Anthony Rendon, love him. It's going to cost you a lot of money to put him at third base. So, you know, and again, Marcelo Zuna, is it possible that he could take the qualifying offer? Yes, I don't see it probably happening. So that means you've got to find a replacement in that lineup. The Cardinals are going to have to do something this offseason. They're going to have to be active, and they realize that. And the, the final point I'll make on it is that the Cardinals have now taken the NL Central. Mm-hmm. You know, you can say what you want, but they won the NL Central. They squeezed past the Cubs and the Brewers, finally. Now you cannot budge. You've got that position. You've boxed those two out. You cannot move. Right. You've got to improve your team so that you stay on top, and I think the Cardinals are aware of that. And I do think that they have the ability to make really any move they want. What about Dylan Carlson? That's the other one Love that Dylan sticks Carlson. out in my head. Is like when I asked you about a youth movement, here's a guy who 
lit up the Texas League, lit up AAA. Uh, nobody's been able to get him. By out. the way, I love that we're doing this because usually people would expect that I come out with the oh Mizzou lost and the Blues <laughs> lost and blah blah blah, we're, which we're going to get to in just a moment. But I don't want to doom and gloom it. I want yeah. people with their coffee this morning to to just let's just put a little bow on the Cardinals and know that coming up at eleven thirty is John Mosellock. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, just uh, Dylan Carlson. Went out there, was the Texas League Player of the Year, goes up to AAA. They can't get him out either. Okay. He's a five-tool guy, great defender, the whole the whole nine yards. If Ozuna goes away, he seems like that perfect fit into left field. Is Do they go ahead and take the chance and maybe bring up the kid right off the bat? I don't, they, I don't know. They're to do that. They usually like wait it out, and you get that stuff with their starting well, their here's clock the thing. and all that. You, he has to play every day. Right. So... He has to play every day. He can't just come up here and come off the bench. Dylan Carlson is a terrific player. I mean, he is projects as a right fielder because his arm is so good, and he has a great bat. And that is not – I'm not just talking like a, a Cardinals person here that, that we're you know putting our arms around prospects in this organization. This kid is legit. Saw him from spring training, and I saw a lot of him down in Jupiter. And then throughout the season, all he did was hit and hit and hit. And when he hits, they fly too. He is a really good player. But can you push him right into the big leagues at 21? He's 20 now. He'll be 21. Ronald Acuna Jr., I know, 20 years old. Juan Soto, 20 years old. I mean, you're starting to see it in baseball. But you got to be a little careful here pushing a kid that fast through the system and into the big leagues. This is a different world up here. That said, if he goes into spring training and is killing it again, You've got to let the bat play, I think, and give it an opportunity. And I think there will be a competition. And there's a chance. There is a chance that maybe he doesn't start the season with them, but he becomes a pretty big player for them in 2020. I do think there's an opportunity for him in 2020 to play in this outfield. Look at the outfield. You mm-hmm. mentioned Ozuna leaves. Harrison Bader, love him. The guy covers a football field out in center field, but he's struggling with the breaking ball. Right field, Dexter Fowler, I thought, had a good year. I've, I've heard some pushback from fans saying that I've, I keep saying Dexter Fowler had a good year. He did. Based on what we expected from him, getting on base, taking over the leadoff spot, playing in right field, uh, staying for the most part out of any sort of an injury, he had a, a nice year. He really did. But, you know, how many more years of that can you expect? Randy Arena, like him a lot. We haven't seen enough yet. Tyler O'Neill. The oh, the reason he's not on the wasn't on the postseason roster is he swings and misses too much. Otherwise, the guy can hit thirty home runs for you. I wouldn't necessarily say, and I'll ask Mo about this too, that O'Neill being off the postseason roster means suddenly he's out of the picture. I mean, Tyler O'Neill can come right back into the picture here and be a factor for one of the outfield spots too if he can cut down on some strikeouts. So the Cardinals do have some outfield depth that they can play around with, and Carlson will have competition to get himself into that. I like, and by the way, the Cardinals had zero interest in trading Dylan Carlson. At the trade deadline, I know they got criticized for not picking up a starting pitcher. Here's what teams wanted. Dylan Carlson. No. Okay, uh, next team. Uh, We'd like a starting pitcher. Dylan Carlson. No. Next team. I mean, that's basically how it went. (laughs) And Nolan Gorman also. They weren't interested in dealing him either. So that's the Cardinals' current situation. I think overall, was the season a success? Yes. I mean, they won the NL Central. They won their first postseason series in five years. The NLCS was a bitter disappointment with the way that it went out. But they also played a team that was hot, and they went ice cold offensively. 
And when that stuff happens, you're going to have a quick exit. So you have to address the offensive inconsistencies. The rest of the stuff, the defense, the base running, for the most part, the pitching has improved and is steady. And I like the future of the franchise. I'll give you one last bit of optimism for our happy, happy, joy, joy first segment of sports on a Sunday morning. And it's just a way to look at this team is the fact that if I told you coming into the season that Matt Carpenter's year was going to be a disaster, Mm -hmm. that the offense was going to be completely inconsistent, that Paul Goldschmidt, while being good, wasn't going to live up to the pie-in-the-sky dreams that everybody had for him. Offensively. Offensively. But I thought that defensively he was outstanding. And I'm not criticizing Goldschmidt. Paul Goldschmidt defensively changed this team. He did. But But you can run through all of these things that didn't happen. I mean, really, at the end of the day, they only won, what, four more games than they won last year. With a lot of things that didn't go as we hoped they would go, all that happens, all that stuff that you could paint in a box before the season as negative, and they still win the division, win the division series, and you know they ran into somebody else's destiny, unfortunately, in the NLCS. But uh, you know, a lot of things didn't really go the way we kind of hoped and forecasted at the beginning of the year. Right. Yet the Cubs, good, and it was still a good year. Yet the Cubs, Brewers, Dodgers, Braves, Phillies all watched them on TV. Mm-hmm. Right, so, all five of those teams, contenders to start the year, watched the Cardinals play and be one of the final four teams still standing. That's pretty good. If the Cardinals can turn into the sixth best offense in the National League, and and repeat their defense and their pitching, their run prevention, which is what got them where they were this year, it's, they might be a World Series team next year. They'll be right there. But that's the thing. They've got to now come back. Can they come back in 2020 and be a contender with the Cubs, the Brewers, the Dodgers, the the uh, Phillies, uh, the Braves, the Nationals? You know, are they going to be able to hang with those teams in 2020? I think they can, but we're going to have to see how they look coming out of this offseason. It's going to be very interesting, and we're in it now. We're in the off season. We're right in the middle of it. The Cardinals will be going to the winter meetings before you know it in December. We'll have all kinds of coverage here. We have the Cardinals caravan, the winter warm up, and then they go to Jupiter and they'll be there in less than four months. Oh my God. Working out <laughs> in February. And some of the players will get there before that. Uh, appreciate it very much. Thanks for uh, hanging around a little Thanks, bit longer. Uh, but it was kind of, I just it. sit the last second as we started the theme music. I'm like, you know what? Scrap that first segment. I just want to talk about the Cardinals for a minute. We, <laughs> we just we, let, we needed, a, needed a smile on our face. Let's do that. Now, let me get to a couple of things here. First, speaking of baseball, this happened last night. Listen how disappointed they are in the Astros radio network. Top of the ninth, and the Yankees are just about done until. And that's lifted to right deep. It sends back Springer at the wall. He leaps, and it is gone. Just out of Springer's reach, DJ LeMayhew has tied this game at four with a two-run homer. That kid is amazing. DJ LeMayhew with a home run for the Yankees ties the game at four. So we go to the bottom of the ninth and a roll as Chapman is on the mound. And Chapman gets two outs. And it looks like the Yankees have big time life. They're going to go to extra innings. But George Springer draws a walk. And here comes that killer Astro, Jose Altuve, the call on the Astros radio network. Altuve readjusts the batting helmet as he settles back in. With that two-toned bat, windmills it around, now ready to hit. Here's a 2-1. And that's driven deep to left center field. Garner is going back, looking out. See you later. See you later. See you later. Astros headed back to the World Series. 
How about it? I mean, the Astros get it done. They win it, and they're going to the World Series for the second time in three years. They'll take on the Washington Nationals. Look out. Washington is no longer an underdog, I don't think. They're going to start this in Houston on Tuesday in Game 1, but watch out for the Nationals, who absolutely blistered the Cardinals, and they did it with a great not only rotation, but they have a very good lineup. It'll be a battle for sure. It will be... Uh, Garrett Cole starting game one of the World Series. That will most likely be. I don't know if that's been officially announced, but this kind of allows that to happen. Cole in his last 25 starts is 19-0. and He hasn't lost since May 22nd to the White Sox. But the Nationals will have their rotation rested and ready to go. It should be a great World Series, the Nationals and the Astros, as the Yankee season comes to an end yesterday. College football, Illinois. The fans have been waiting for a decade for a moment like this. Lovey Smith is their coach. Their play-by-play man is Brian Barnhart. And this is the Illini Sports Network on Learfield IMG College. This will be a 39-yard attempt from the middle of the field for James McCourt with four seconds left. Wisconsin 23, Illinois 21. The Badgers have no timeouts. They can't stop it. McCourt for the win. <laughs> the call, again, on the Illini Sports Network, no mistaking who that call was from, right? Illinois has authored one of the biggest top 25 upsets of the season. I would say the biggest college football upset of the season. They had been 2-5 and five overall and 0-3 oh and in the Big Ten. And, by the way, confirmed Lovey Smith is going to join us live on KMOX at 11.05 this morning. How cool is that? As they get the win, a 39-yard field goal by James McCord. As time expired, they beat number 6 Wisconsin 24-23. They had just... Jonathan Taylor to contend with, the Wisconsin Heisman Trophy contender. He rushed 28 times for 132 yards and a touchdown, but he had a fumble in Illinois territory in the fourth quarter. That set up a 75-yard touchdown drive for the Illini. And then Tony Adams picked off a pass in midfield with 233 remaining that sparked this comeback for Illinois. They were 30-and-a-half-point underdogs against the Badgers. The Badgers had never trailed in a game this season before they squandered a nine-point lead over the final 9.46, and Illinois gets the win 24-23 over Wisconsin. And you know what's coming next. Mizzou lost to Vanderbilt. Oh, I mean, I don't know. Barry Odom's going to join us right after Lovey Smith, so that should be an interesting one-two combo here on KMOX. Lovey Smith and then Barry Odom. Can Missouri. they interview one another? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't want any part of that. But I will. <laughs> I will interview both of them uh, at separate times. Barry Odom's team lost to Vanderbilt on the road. The final score was 21-14, and it was a real stunner. It really was. Riley Neal came off the bench. He was their backup quarterback. He threw a 21-yard touchdown to Cam Johnson with 8.57 left. Vanderbilt just stuffed Missouri right and left. Couldn't get going anywhere offensively, the Tigers. And Keyshawn Vaughn ran for a touchdown. He also took a screen 61 yards for another score. He was tough to stop. Vanderbilt stopped a three-game skid against Missouri. And Missouri had won six SEC games in a row but lost this game 21-14 at Vanderbilt as the number 22 team in the nation. 
And uh, that is a very difficult loss for Barry Odom, but we'll hear his take on it on the way again at 11.15 this morning. top rank Alabama, a 35-13 winner against Tennessee, but the Crimson Tide had to finish the game without their Heisman Trophy hopeful, Tua Tungavailoa. He has an ankle injury. He sustained that in the second quarter, so we'll see where they go from there. Second-ranked LSU coasted to a 36-13 win over Mississippi State. Third-ranked Clemson won easily, thumping Louisville 45-10. Fifth-ranked Oklahoma rolled against West Virginia 52-14. How about that game between Penn State and Michigan? Penn State went up early 21-0. Michigan came back, made that a game, but it wasn't enough. Penn State in the whiteout wins 28 28- 21 over number 16 Michigan. Penn State's ranked 7th in the country. South Carolina had a battle with Florida but ended up losing at home 38-27. It was a win for number 10 Georgia over Kentucky 21 to nothing. Auburn routed Arkansas 51 to 10. Oregon a 35-31 win over Washington. Number 13 Utah wins over number 17 Arizona State. 21 to 3. Number 14, Boise State gets upset by BYU, 28-25. Kansas had Texas on the ropes, and somehow number 15, Texas, survives an upset bid 50 to 48. What a crazy game that was. Number 18, Baylor romped over Oklahoma State. 45-27. Number 19, SMU is still undefeated. They're 7-0. They hammered Temple 45-21. And also 7-0 is number 20, Minnesota. First time since 1960. They won over Rutgers 42-7. to That's the top 20 scores. I know I didn't get to all of them. Sometimes people get upset that I don't touch every single score, but that's we're out of time on it. Blues lost 5-2 to the Canadiens. They've lost four in a row. We'll talk about them a little later in the show. When we come back, we're going to stay with college football. We'll be joined by two happy individuals. They are Steve Kelly and Lauren Tate of radio station WDWS in Champaign, Illinois. They cover the Illini, and I know them quite well. We can't wait to get them on the phone and talk about the Illini and their great win. And again, at 11.05, Lovey Smith will join us live on KMOX. Welcome back to the Munkadass St. Louis Honda Sports on a Sunday morning. Munkadass pre-owned on South Limburg on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. This will be a 39-yard attempt from the middle of the field for James McCourt with four seconds left. Wisconsin 23, Illinois 21. The Badgers have no timeouts. They can't stop it. McCourt for the win. In the air. It is up. And it is good. Yes. Good. Let's go. Upset in Champagne. Wow, what a moment it was. And Illinois with its win, 24-23 over Wisconsin, gives it its biggest win in a long time. Just how long? Let's ask our next guest. They've been following the Illini every step of the way. Steve Kelly of WDWS Radio in Champaign, Illinois. Longtime friend and member of that Illini Sports Network. The call there from Learfield IMG College. Steve, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good, Tom. I want to point out that was not me yelling in the background. No. That was that was a very excited former Illinois All-American 
offensive lineman Martin O'Donnell, who does color on our radio broadcast. He, he was pretty well pumped up. Yes, he was. He was fired up for sure. And Brian Barnhart with the play-by-play call alongside him. And also joining us from WDWS, the longtime sports columnist for the News Gazette. It is a pleasure to have as well Lauren Tate on KMOX. Lauren Tate, how you doing? Well, it's better today. You know, everybody said that was a wonderful day to yesterday, wonderful game. And, you know, for 58 minutes, I don't think anybody thought Illinois was going to win until he got that interception late. And I thought, oh, my goodness, they only need a couple first downs and they're in field goal range. Woo. Yeah, it was amazing. How did they do it, Lauren? How did they pull this off? Well, it was a combination of many things. I mean, they have shown spurts this year when they pulled back within 28-25 against Michigan, when they were, you know, two touchdowns ahead of Nebraska in the second half, and then games got away. What happened is that Wisconsin handed it back to them with two really bad turnovers, which uh, they don't normally do. In the fourth quarter, Illinois scored twice off those turnovers, a touchdown and then a field goal. And I I would say that um, all of us sitting there, you know, as I said, for 58 minutes we thought the game was gone. We're so used to losing. Illinois lost 32 out of the last 37 Big Ten games going in. 32 out of 37. And all of a sudden, we're in position to win. And it was a shocker. It was a shocker for sure. And Steve, uh, Jonathan Taylor, you all knew how good he was, but he lost a fumble in Illinois territory in the fourth quarter, and turnovers will kill you. And that certainly led to the comeback for Illinois. That, that's certainly right, although I was still surprised, even despite that, I was still surprised that Wisconsin was putting the ball in the air on that last drive when they threw the interception. You got the best running back in the country, and yes, he did fumble earlier, but I would be, I think I'd be handed off to him and take my chances with a guy that, uh, uh, you know, is leading the nation in rushing or close to it and went over 5,000 yards in his career earlier in that game yesterday. I would have taken that route, but as you pointed out, he did fumble in the key spot, but uh, it worked out for Illinois. And then Tony Adams with that interception with uh, two and a half minutes to go to give Illinois a short field. He just sailed that pass, didn't he, Lauren, on that third and five? Well, yeah, you know, this is interesting because he said that they had used that same pass pattern several times, and he had been beaten on it. And he might have been beaten on it this time. The ball was uh, had the ball cleared him. But he he was able to leap up and get it. And, you know, he was playing cornerback in this game. He's been a safety all year. He's been a high tackle safe. He's had games where he's had multiple double-figure uh, tackles, uh, you know, at the safety position. But they were shy, and, and they needed help at corner. So he moved over there and made the big play. It was amazing. And then, you know, Steve, that run – uh, that set up the field goal had everything to do with Illinois' determination. It was Dre Brown. He broke a bunch of tackles. It was a 13-yard run that got down to the Wisconsin 25 with 34 seconds left, and then McCourt with the winner after that. What a tremendous run that was by Brown. Brown has been kind of an under-the-radar guy. You get a lot of pub on uh, Reggie Corbin, obviously. He had a great uh, junior year, and he's having another good year. But Dre Brown's been steady in kickoff returns, and he's been steady when uh, he's in the game as a running back and he takes care of the football, and you're right. That was a that was a hard run. He delivered a couple of hits on that run. Yes, he did. And then the field goal by McCourt and the winner. This is the first time that Illinois has beaten a ranked Big Ten team at home since 2007. 
We're talking 12 years. They The last time they beat a ranked Big Ten team at home, October 2007, which was against number five Wisconsin, 31-26. The first time since 2011 uh, that uh, they, when I remember when they beat number one Ohio State in November on their way to a Rose Bowl appearance. But I, we're talking about a decade here. Uh, Lauren, just put it in perspective, how long Illinois fans have been waiting for this release. Well, I will tell you that based on the status of the Illinois team going in and the history of it, and based on the the season that Wisconsin was having, this is the greatest upset in Illinois history. They've had some other, I'm I'm particularly at home, they've had some good, they've had more good wins on the road than they've had at home, for instance. But this was, uh, there's never been one game where they've been this far, this big an underdog and won the game. Just never been. 31-point 31, 31 underdog. Some, I guess TV is saying it's 30.5, but anyway, 31-point underdog and to win the game. There's never been a bigger upset in the history of Illinois. Never. That's uh, incredible to think, actually, of all the great seasons and teams, but this one, 2-5, and 0-3 oh in the Big Ten, upending a great Wisconsin team and the number one defense in the country. We're going to have Lovey Smith join us live at 11.05, by the way, gentlemen. He's going to be with us in about 25 minutes. Steve and Lauren, if you, if you wouldn't mind taking turns on this, just to let us know of Lovey Smith, what it has been like around him, and what he has had to do to get this team to this point, starting with Steve? Well, I think, he, as he said after the game, it was a signature win for the program, and that means a signature win for him. Lauren told you about his record in the Big Ten through uh, three and a half seasons. It's not been great, but that was the kind of win a lot of fans have been waiting for. I don't think it was a win that many expected. You know, Wisconsin had four shutouts in six games so far, uh, including the last two games they played, they had back-to-back shutouts. So a lot of people were wondering, well, Illinois even score in this ballgame against Wisconsin. Of course, they have to go to Ohio State next week. Maybe that was a little bit of a factor. But uh, it was a signature win for Levy Smith. Now, you know, everybody talks about having a short memory when things don't go well. Well, I think you've got to have a short memory when things do go well, too, because if you go to Purdue next week and uh, fumble around there and happen to lose that game, this will be forgotten pretty quickly. Lauren, your thoughts on Lovey Smith? Well, I think that everybody in, in town, and, and I was at uh, big events both Thursday and Friday nights. Uh, varsity, I was Friday night and talked to a lot of people, and, and everybody's wondering whether Lovey's going to make it or not at that point, whether Lovey would be replaced, whether Josh Whitman would be willing to make a change. And, and I keep saying, well, you've got to wait till the season's over. You've got to see what happens. But I think that there was an awful lot of negativism around, even at the varsity eye on Friday night with several hundreds of uh, former Illini players there and, and everybody talking about, you know, well, let's see now who might be a good uh, replacement. And was, that kind of talk was going on. So there's no use to hide it. That, it was, that kind of talk was happening, and that was quieted in, in a hurry. You know, it takes some odd things to happen for a, a win like this. And we mentioned the, the fumbles, but do you know that Illinois never snapped the ball in the red zone in the entire game? <laughs> they scored 24 points and never penetrated the red zone. They scored from outside the red zone. But it, it just it, it's a, when things like this happen, you look back at it and think, man, that's, a, that's amazing. That's really an oddity. 
Yeah, that's a magical day for sure for everyone involved with the University of Illinois. The Illini win against Wisconsin, the number six team in the nation, 24-23. Illinois now travels to Purdue, and Wisconsin heads to Ohio State. Maybe they were looking ahead at that one, and they lose to Illinois in Champaign, and a tremendous win for the Illini. We really appreciate Steve Kelly and Lauren Tate joining us. To talk about it, again, Lovey Smith will be with us live at 11.05 here on KMOX. Gentlemen, appreciate the time very much, and we'll catch up with you soon. Thanks, All right, Tom. Tom. Always good to talk to you. Great to have both of them. Again, radio station WDWS. They do a show on the weekends. It's great. Join them uh, all the time on that show. Love being with them always. And Lauren Tate, the longtime columnist. Great to hear him on KMOX Radio once again. We'll take a quick time out, come back with more on Sports on a Sunday Morning. I'm Tom Ackerman on KMOX. Welcome back to the Munganass St. Louis Honda Sports on a Sunday morning. Munganass St. Louis Honda on South Limburg on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Welcome back, Sports on a Sunday morning on KMOX. Great to catch up with my friends Steve Kelly and Lauren Tate to talk about the Fighting Illini. I know Illinois fans are having some fun this morning, maybe waking up a little later after partying last night. That was a wild time in the state of Illinois, upsetting Wisconsin 24-23. On the flip side, very tough loss for Missouri at Vanderbilt 21-14. Coach Barry Odom will be joining us at 11-15. And again, Lovey Smith will be live with us at 11.05 as we continue to talk college football here on KMOX. This is an NFL Sunday, and we'll get you updated on everything NFL. We'll keep an eye on any of the changes, actives, inactives for your fantasy teams. How about, though, I need to touch on this. The Blues, I look, I know it's early in the year, and the Blues, if anyone, have taught us that anything can happen in a season. But the Blues coming off a of Stanley Cup have lost some games here early in the year. Uh, they fell again yesterday. They lost to the Canadiens. The final score was 5-2. to two. They had Jake Allen in goal. Uh, Brendan Gallagher uh, got a lucky bounce, and the Canadiens kind of took over from there. He picked up his fourth goal of the season six seconds into the second. He kind of pounced on a loose puck off the faceoff, and then he beat Allen. It was a pretty harmless shot from just inside the blue line, but it got through. Gallagher said anytime you can score the first five minutes of the period for the la- or the last five minutes, those things seem to propel you. They're big momentum goals, he said. Uh, Allen said the shot deflected off the shaft of his stick and into the net, took a lot of responsibility for the goal, he said, and he thought that goal took a little wind out of their sails. But quite honestly, the Blues haven't looked like themselves for the last week or so. They've lost four games in a row. They've let some games get away late. Yesterday, they let that game get away in the middle as they gave up all the a lot of their goals in the third second period they gave up three goals in the second period and lost the game by the final of 5 to 2 uh, the blues just uh, haven't looked like themselves they lost now four in a row robert bortuzzo was in the lineup after a three game absence um, and the blues are dealing with some injuries carl gunnerson has a lower body injury etc uh, they did scratch uh, Zach Sanford and Mackenzie McEachern in this game. We'll see what they do in terms of their lineup moving forward. But the Blues losing their game 5-2 to the Canadiens. Uh, again, it's way early to panic or be upset necessarily, but you have to look at it uh, in a big picture and say they just don't look like themselves. Uh, they've lost four straight. They did have a couple of goals, Jaden Schwartz and David Perron. Allen's first home start since January 8th. He made 20 saves, but uh, the Canadians got the better of him, and the Blues have lost to them now twice 
They went up to Montreal and lost their game, and now they've dropped this one by the final of 5-2. to two. There's a lot ahead for the St. Louis Blues. They will be playing another game. They're playing at home and trying to hold down the homestand here. They play Colorado tomorrow night, and then they play the Kings here on Thursday night. So plenty of chances for you to get down to Enterprise Center and support them. They're drawing good crowds, but now they've lost four straight at Montreal, at the Islanders in that fiasco where they lost the lead late and then lost in overtime. Uh, they lost to Vancouver 4-3 to on Thursday, and now uh, they've fallen to Montreal by the count of 5-2. to We'll take a quick break. We'll come back, set up next hour. A lot of fun stuff coming on KMOX, including a discussion with John Mosellock, and I think it is good to go back and, and review what happened that was good in 2019, but also there are a lot of questions that need to be answered for 2020, and that process begins now. It's all on the way. Tom Ackerman with you, Sports on a Sunday Morning on KMOX. Welcome back to the Munkadass St. Louis Honda Sports on a Sunday Morning. Munkadass pre-owned on South Limburg on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Welcome back. Sports on a Sunday morning on KMOX. Tom Ackerman with you for a few minutes. Let's take a look at the NFL slate for today and some big games coming up in the AFC South as Houston is in Indianapolis to face the Colts. That is a key matchup in the early games. Houston has surged into first place in the AFC South. They are 4-2 and two, thanks to victories over Atlanta and Kansas City. The Texans have won four of their past five meetings against the Colts. Another game, Jacksonville beginning the post-Jalen Ramsey area when it travels to winless Cincinnati. Tennessee will have a new look at quarterback. Ryan Tannehill is under center when the Titans host the Chargers later in the day. The Jaguars getting a chance to exhale with Ramsey finally gone. A drawn-out divorce with Jacksonville. It ended with a trade to the Rams last week. The Titans, meanwhile, will try to give their offense a jolt by starting Tannehill in favor of the struggling Marcus Mariota. We'll see how that works out. The other early game, San Francisco. The 49ers are trying to get off to the franchise's first 6-0 start since 19 1990. The 49ers play in Washington today. Minnesota's revived offense heads to Detroit to take on the Lions. Buffalo hosts Miami with a shot at improving to 5-1. and one. Dolphins aren't very good. Should be a pretty good day for Buffalo, but we'll see. The late window includes former Seahawks safety Earl Thomas visiting Seattle as a member now of the Baltimore Ravens. New Orleans will try to stay unbeaten. Teddy Bridgewater is at quarterback when the Saints visit Chicago. Remember, Drew Brees is out with injury. Uh, The Bears have a good defense, but the Saints will see what they can put together. Philadelphia travels to Dallas. That's a showdown for first place in what's been an underwhelming NFC East for sure. Those are some of the games happening today in the NFL. And again, a reminder that KMOX is now the home of NFL games, or one of the homes of NFL games, we should say, and they'll be hosting a game tomorrow in New York. The Jets at 1-4 and four hosting the Patriots, a 7-15 kickoff Monday Night Football. KMOX will be all over that. And we'll also have the Sunday night game next week as Green Bay visits Kansas City, the Packers at the Chiefs next week for a 7-20 kickoff 
right here. But again, your games today, the Rams at Atlanta, Miami at Buffalo, Jacksonville at Cincinnati, Minnesota at Detroit, Oakland at Green Bay, Houston at Indianapolis, and the other noon kickoffs will be the Giants hosting Arizona and the Redskins hosting the 49ers. The later games this afternoon, there are just two, just three of them, Tennessee at home against the Chargers, New Orleans at Chicago, and Baltimore at Seattle. The Sunday night game tonight is Philadelphia at Dallas, and then the Monday nighter on KMOX tomorrow night, New England at the Jets. We're going to have a full slate of football next hour as Lovey Smith, a former coach of the Bears, former coordinator in St. Louis with Rams, now the head coach of the Fighting Illini, their team with a tremendous win over number six Wisconsin. Lovey Smith will join us live on KMOX this morning at 11.05, so just under 10 minutes from now. Then at 11.15, we go to the polar opposite as it has been a struggle for Missouri as they lose at Vanderbilt 21-14. Coach Barry Odom will join us to talk about that shortly after 11.15 a.m. Then at 11.30, John Mosellock to discuss the 2019 Cardinals. The Cardinals president of baseball operations certainly will have a preview of what's to come here this offseason for 2020, what the team is looking at in that area. It's all coming up, sports on a Sunday morning, right here on KMOX.